case file number 3.8. Google being evil. Observed by Agent Crenshaw. Subject 1, alias Hackalope. Subject has a history of working in computer security for over 20 years. He has been observed to several Fortune 500 companies and federal agencies during that period. He has been amassing historical information related to espionage and covert action as well as corporate malfeasance. Subject 2, alias Emir. Subject has a history of working in computer security for the last 10 years. He has been observed at NASA facilities regularly. We've also tracked him to the gym where he seems to be bodybuilding. We are amassing evidence to charge him with felony for skipping leg day and curls on the squat rack. Subjects are suspected of having information related to hacking the Gibson. Uh, the accounting subdirector of the Gibson's working really hard. I think we got a hacker. So let me let me ask you a question. Have you ever done any sort of war driving? Yeah. Um, I actually had a laptop kind of set up for it at one point, and uh, I went on a business trip. Okay. So I played around with it and I, you know, messed around the neighborhood. And this was, you know, in the aughts where we didn't have smartphones. And um, my boss didn't have a GPS, one of the standalone GPS units and got lost in New Jersey. Nice. <laughs> and he's like, I have no idea where the hotel is. Like, do you have like one of the McNally road atlases? Like, no, no. Why would you have that? And it was like, um, for <laughs> things like this, like, I'll tell you what, looks like there's probably a neighborhood right up here, turn in and just, uh, drive around a little bit. And I've opened up my laptop <laughs> and he's like, what are you doing? Just wait. <laughs> you're like, no, no, slow down, slow down. Got one. Just pull over here. <laughs> and I pulled up the directions. Oh, nice. nice. <laughs> yeah. I remember back in the day of having to like, yeah, go on Google maps and like sit there and write the, all the directions down, <laughs> like step one, step two, step three. Yeah. That was <laughs> the only reason insane. I had a printer for years. <laughs> That's great. When I, when I learned about board driving, I did board driving um, with my phone. Because mm. by then, like, I had a smartphone and I could, uh, use, I rooted it and used some applications to drive around my neighborhood and just kind of see who was still using that, which surprisingly were a lot of people. Yeah. So, I mean, I built with a couple of friends of mine a coffee can antenna that worked kind of decently as a, as a directional. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um, which was a lot easier to plug in as an external antenna when you were using like a PC MCIA or PC card, I guess, is, is the, the, the new kids call them. Okay. Which is nobody anymore because they're completely obsolete. Um, yeah. But when you had an external one, it was easier to kind of plug in an external antenna. You could jury rig it from the internal stuff. Because even today, the um, if you pop open most at least Wintel laptops, I haven't torn apart a uh, an Apple. The laptop version of PCMCIA is usually the, the thing that they use they use an ex a replaceable card for oh, really? your wireless stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay. In fact, it is occasionally useful to get a better card that supports A, B, G, and N if your laptop only supports like B and N or something. Mm, yeah. Huh. Yeah. So um, the reason I brought that up is because uh, not only did we or drive a bunch um, back in the early 2000s, but so did Google. <laughs> Because I'm, I'm sure you're obviously familiar with Street View and Google Maps. Uh -huh. And I highly doubt like anyone's not familiar with that at the time right now. But I mean, yeah. if anyone is, you know, it just means you can basically drop your little pin down and see, uh, see a Street View of, uh, you know, 
the uh, the area you're looking at so you can see like exactly how shady that massage parlor is that you signed up for or like you know <laughs> if the if the area looks like you're definitely going to get uh murdered at some point or if somebody you know bombed the 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 car taking pictures that day and and uh, had a sign out on their lawn yeah 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 exactly <laughs> and um there's also a fun uh, game i don't know if you played it called that geoguesser i think it's, it's what it's called no where yeah yeah if you go to i think it's just geoguesser.com or something but you go to that website and it literally it just pops you somewhere in the world mm-hmm. with um street view images and you can move around there and kind of see like try to figure out where you are mm-hmm. and then on the map after i think you can move like five times or something like that and then on the map you can place a pin and it'll it, like it scores you uh rating like how far away you are huh. and it, it's great when it just drops you into a forest and you're like i don't know like this could be literally anywhere it's just oak trees yeah well they say in, in the u.s that you're never like more than 25 miles from a road yeah yeah the mm-hmm. roads aren't too bad if there's signs and you can clearly mm-hmm. see the language on the sign yeah but um yeah so in in 2007 google uh, started compiling all these photos for google Maps street view and um you know obviously there was a fleet of cars like you were talking about driving around taking all these photos mm-hmm. these cars that were also equipped with wi-fi reception antennas on them yeah um i think that one of the thing one of the really good ideas that somebody had was in addition to gps signal figuring out based on known ssids where you were within the probability radius. Yeah, 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 exactly. So not only were they um, cataloging the SSIDs of all the homes and uh, businesses around the area, mm-hmm. but they were also just collecting the data from them. Um, oh. They were like sniffing and sniffing all these connections. Lovely. So yeah, they, they collected payload data, including messages, search queries, and other communications that were sent over uh, any unencrypted network they you know came in contact with. So obviously they weren't actively breaking into any of these networks. But this was back in the day when, you know, WEP was very prevalent. and Nobody encrypted anything. Yeah. And then if you were using WEP, a lot of people just had it fully open. Yeah. Well, even, even at that point in time, uh, WEP was not very strong. Mm-hmm. That's why we got WPA and everything. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, you know, a lot of this also included all the attached cookies to any of the websites you were viewing. So Google could take all this and establish your website usage history and compile, you know, a bunch of different statistics on this. And you know, a lot of this um, came to light in uh, 2010 and uh, a little bit earlier too. Um, but in 2010, plaintiffs filed a number of class action lawsuits uh, against Google alleging they violated the Wiretap Act and a bunch of other state laws for California by collecting all this information on them. All these cases were consolidated in Northern District of uh, California, where Google's uh, motions to dismiss the case were denied. On appeal, the Ninth Circuit affirmed that the Wiretap Act prohibited any kind of interception and collection of data from unencrypted Wi-Fi networks, even though the Wiretap Act does not prohibit interception of communication that are readily accessible to the general public, like uh, radio transmissions. Yeah. So the, the circuit stated that radio transmissions are limited to traditional audio radio stations. And the availability of equipment to intercept unencrypted Wi-Fi networks was not, you know, quote unquote, readily accessible to the general public at this time. I'm not sure I agree with that, but I do think that that, that us were driving is mm. fundamentally different from them capturing things at scale, at, you know, Google scale. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, like you said, like, I don't, I don't agree with that because even at this time, yeah, like you could collect all this data, but, you know, we even war driving around aren't going to have what what are we going to do with you know well 
caring about what websites you go to and what cookies and stuff like that. I mean, this is a, this is a tough thing. This is one of those, you know, scanning isn't a crime. If we can do it with equipment that we buy from Best Buy and some software that that's free to download, how restricted can it actually be? But yeah, sure. Just randomly capturing data isn't that big a deal. Mm-hmm. Even in the world where before the last few years where the vast majority of traffic was HTTPS. But that doesn't mean that you can't stalk people. Yeah, 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 that is true. Yeah. If you're targeting somebody back in that world, you could do some really sketchy things. But the question is, is the act of just capturing the data prosecutable? And the thing that I think is kind of interesting here is that I think it would have been much more likely that an individual got prosecuted than a giant billion dollar company. Yeah, yeah, that is true. And like in my research, I couldn't figure out like how people came to realize this. I didn't read anything about like the leak that, you know, alerted people to like, you know, like someone from the company, you know, dropped a leak or something and was like, hey, we stole a bunch of your data. Like, you know, back in 2007, while we were like taking photos of your house for driving around. I also didn't know, like side tag, you can you can go onto Google and Apple Maps and uh, blur out your entire home. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was talking to someone who has a has a house that's like from a famous TV show, and uh, they were saying how like they they had gone on to at any like um, for Zillow and Google and just blurred out their entire home so people couldn't see it on the maps. And then on top of that, the, the city actually kind of copied and pasted their house into multiple locations in the city so that like they wouldn't be harassed by a ton of people at one time. I was about to say, you know what I think might be uh, might be interesting is uh, trolling through that data, looking for the blur markers. Mm, yeah. And find out the yeah, location of everybody that, that has requested the blur. Yeah, yeah, and see exactly <laughs> why it's blurred. It mean, just like works it, works it back the, uh, the, uh, in the other direction. Yeah. The ruling, though, by the, the circuit court was a departure from the FCC, because mm-hmm. the FCC dropped the investigation in April of uh, 2012 against this because it had been brought to their attention. Mm-hmm. And they basically just fined Google $25,000 for obstructing the investigation, and that was it. Okay. I love how these multi-billion dollar companies get fined like twenty five grand. Like, okay. Yeah, it's like... No one bets an eyelash. Right. Well, it's like you're not hurting them, and did you even make back what it cost to do the investigation? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's I don't know what country, and it's probably multiple countries, but I think like Norway or Finland, they have a rule where the amount that you can get fined or ticketed is based on your income. Yeah, you're right. It was one of those, one of them, I, I want to say Sweden, but like it's one of the, those Northern social democracies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why we don't adopt a lot from that. But the FCC, you know, gave out a heavily redacted uh, report about all this and, um, you know, the going-ons. And Google actually turned around and released their own version where they only redacted the names and left all the other information in it. Beautiful. Yeah. And they did it as a, a public, quote unquote, public service. Um, and this data, which Google claimed was uh, stored inadvertently, was collected over a two-year period by Google Street View fleet, um, along with photos and locations of you know, Wi-Fi access points and stuff like that. Uh, Google stated that they decided to voluntarily make the entire document public, saying they disagreed with some of the statements in the document, but agreed with the FCC's conclusion that they had not broken the law. As if, as if they would have not agreed with, like, actually, we did, but ha, we got away with it. <laughs> and part of their ruling, um, and the reason they dropped it, was due to one of Google's engineers 
uh, who was named Engineer Doe in the document, invoked his uh, Fifth Amendment rights. The company claimed this engineer had intentionally added code to the Street View collection software to capture packets, uh, payload data, but the Google declined to name them. We're going to keep this in-house. He did bad, but, you know, you could trust us to... to... Yeah, yeah, like, oh, we didn't, we didn't know about it. However, the, the report from the FCC uh, did call into question uh, if the collection had been, you know, as it inadvertently uh, collected, as Google claimed. Engineer Doe reportedly told two other Google engineers, including a senior manager, that he was collecting payload data as part of the project. So here's my bones with that. There's a, like orders of magnitude more storage involved in, in collecting and storing that payload data mm -hmm. rather than just the SSID metadata. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That does not seem like an oops. That does not seem like a, oh, I just added a thing. That seems like a, you had to plan the infrastructure in the cars to store that much data. Yeah, it's like, hey, hey, <laughs> hey, hey, Tim, why, why are we storing five terabytes of SSID data? Like, what is this all? Why did the price of the computing on, on, on these things double? Like, why are we paying this much for hard drives? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, something, something's not right here. And in, in 2006, he stated, uh, he, he gave the entire Street View team a document detailing the work he had done, including the fact that payload data would be logged. So the FCC was kind of like, hey, wait a second. Yeah. Like, well, we can't really prove this because he won't talk to us. But Well, it's, it, they basically said, no, the company didn't do it. It was a rogue engineer. But mm -hmm. you also don't get to talk to the individual we say is responsible. They're getting it both ways. They're both saying, oh, it's under the umbrella of the corporation. So we're not going to let you you know, assign blame to any individual. And mm -hmm. it's not our fault. It was an individual rogue actor. They're taking both sides of their defense. Yeah. <laughs> which, you know, is nice when you can afford it, which Google can. <laughs> yeah, good defense strategy is to play both sides. <laughs> the the class action lawsuit uh, for them was that basically for Google to pay roughly $13 million to end the litigation. <laughs> um, you know, obviously everyone involved in the class action lawsuit is going to see like more than like a few hundred dollars if that, and you know, all goes to lawyers and the fees and everything. Class action lawsuits are really tough in a lot of ways, at least mm -hmm. because they're the only means that we have for dealing with these kind of non-world breaking but corporate malfeasance. Right. But they have the unfortunate tendency to do very little to the to the large classes of people that are affected and make lawyers very rich. Yeah. And they tend to also another side tangent. Mm -hmm. Um the podcast, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Um you're wrong about. Yeah. Yeah. It was one remember it was one of the one of the one of the inspirations to our format. Mm, yeah, yeah. So they they did one um, that I was I was listening to on the way to go pick up my uh, my puppy mm -hmm. that was about just frivolous lawsuits, and they referenced you know the woman who had spilled coffee on herself and other stuff like that. Yeah, I listened to that episode. Yeah, yeah, and it's like you know our only method really of fighting this stuff is class action lawsuits, and you know the news hypes it up as you know oh my god, this one these people made like two hundred million dollars off this lawsuit, like oh my god, and never cover the fact that it was appealed. A year later and the person got like a hundred dollars yeah. or nothing I well know. i mean yeah i mean i remember them saying in the, uh, that when they went through the whole mcdonald's hot coffee suit if there was real negligence there it wasn't just that she yeah. was seriously injured but it was also that they had that they knew at the corporate level that this was a repeated problem 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. And they just they cho- chose another thing. Yeah. And it, you know, this is a common thing you see in these companies is that it's oftentimes more cost effective to just harm or kill a hundred people and just, you know, pay the $13 million lawsuit because you made, you know, $2 billion in profits over, you know. Yeah. I believe, and I forget where I saw this. So, so not being authoritative, but I believe that when the government is using its estimates to figure out what a human life is worth right now, it's in the four to maybe 5 million range. Mm -hmm. And if you take that as the yardstick, and there are different ways of calculating it. So there's a whole th- actuarial thing about it. But 13 million for killing 100 people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, whatever, whatever, okay. And beyond, beyond this, um, Google was uh, also, uh, he's, they settled a case brought by 38 states over the same issue in 2013 um, that was settled for $7, uh, $7 million. Mm-hmm. The, the company in that agreement also agreed to destroy the data collected and launch a campaign to teach people how to protect their information from Wi-Fi snooping. The class action lawsuit that they were going to settle for $13 million also required Google to destroy any remaining data mm-hmm. and agree to not use Street View to collect data from Wi-Fi networks except with the consent. And I got this from an uh, article on CNN, which raised the point as to why this new agreement also required deleting data, since the previous one basically told Google to delete all the data. So clearly, like something was going on there. You know, they either did not delete all that data, or it was different data, and they were like, "Oh, like this, this isn't covered under this data." Or you know, like everybody says, and especially places like Google. Nothing ever gets deleted on the internet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this isn't the only time Google's had issues um, with the public and collecting our data. Lovely. Yeah, in in June 2020, a lawsuit was filed stating Google tracked and collected consumer browsing history, even if users took uh, steps to maintain their privacy. And this this is kind of like a muddy thing as I was reading through it, but um, it stated Google violated California law that requires consent of all parties to read or learn the contents of private communications. As opposed to the the street view uh, wiretapping, this complaint focused on Google's method of tracking, collecting online activity when users surf the web in the private mode, the incognito mode for uh, the browser. And it said even even in incognito mode, Google used other tracking tools to provide uh, to website publishers and advertisers information on the websites that you were visiting. So this suit also called into reference the Federal Wiretap Act. Then mm-hmm. making a, a few uh, few showings here. Google refuted these claims according to the spokesperson and said, uh, quote, incognito mode gives the choice for you to browse the internet without your activity being saved to your browser or device. As we clearly state, each time you open a new incognito tab, the websites might still be able to collect information about your browsing activity during your session. It's, I mean, it's a tough thing. Uh, I believe I, I, I think the first time I saw a bunch of stuff on this was uh, by Arsnake about how your browser leaves a lot of trails even when you're running from incognito mode or trying to delete your cookies and stuff that there's mm-hmm. there's various pieces of metadata in the way that you, that you interact and there's just a whole concert of them there's no single one that gets you out of it entirely yeah 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 and you know the lawsuit stated that users had a reasonable expectation to the privacy and that google's mm-hmm. practices intentionally deceive consumers into believing that they maintain a control of the information shared with the company, encouraging them to surf the web and browsing mm-hmm. and the incognito browsing. And then this computer world article on incognito mode kind of laid it out 
that it's not exactly as private as users expect, which mm -hmm. we kind of all know. Um, you know, there, there's a warning that clearly states that pages you view in incognito mode won't stick around in your browser's history. But, you know, if you make bookmarks, those are going to stay. Yeah. And you are not invisible. Going incognito doesn't hide your browsing from your employer, your ISP, or the websites you visit. And, you know, basically your local privacy is kept intact. And you can browse all the porn you want without your family stumbling upon it. But your ISP can, you know, see all the crazy stuff you're looking at whenever they want to poke around. Yeah. And right. This is a less pervy reason um, cited in the article is also, you know, if you're doing Christmas shopping, so your family can't see what kind of gifts you bought. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, so this is a real thing that, that cookie hijacking is a real thing. And and things like um, cross-site request forgery are real things. I don't do this anymore. I have kind of a, a little bit of a different strategy, but I previously would never for like banking sites, specific, banking brokerage type, type stuff. I would never save the, um, I would never you know, keep me log in, logged in. Yeah, it's just not a good idea. Yeah, so, um, so and like those are real attacks. Mm -hmm. But incognito mode, even if you have a VPN, you still leave some tell, you still leave some telltale or you can leave some telltales. I don't know of any way, any simple way to be sure that you're not leaving any kind of a trail without going from a clean box and stuff. Yeah, exactly. And like, you can't trust you know, the site you're going to that they've implemented, you know, mm -hmm. security features for, uh, you know, cross-site request foraging and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And in fact, you can't, even, I, I think I saw on a, the programmer subreddit just the other day, there was a, a chat window that someone linked from with uh, Virgin and they basically like forgot their password and were trying to reset it. And Virgin was like, oh, we'll mail it to you. Oh. And he was like, oh, wait, what? And so it arrived in the mail and it was just a piece of paper with his password and clear text. And he was like, this is, this is the old password that I had. I recognize this now that yeah. like I've seen it. And so he called him out on it. Yeah. And Virgin's response was, well, it's illegal to open someone else's mail and look in it. Yeah. But there's so many things wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, what, like what? the fact is they're storing the password in clear text that other people can see mm -hmm. rather than having them in hashes, even bad hashes are better than this. <laughs> Also, that that their excuse is, oh, well, it's illegal for a criminal to open up your mail, look into it. You know, if you were actively getting hacked, messaging the hacker and being like, hey, just so you know, it's illegal what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. As if they would they would stop. But like, that doesn't even matter. It means that on the back end, they're completely blowing it. Yeah, 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 exa yeah exactly. <laughs> like, even if you could trust the mail. I mean, I forget which site it was, but it, at one point, but I was like, I forget it, even forget if it was me, but but I got an email or there was an email. I remember mm -hmm. the email where the password was in it. And I was like, that is indicative of so many wrong things that are wrong with that website. Oh, yeah. Never use it again. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've gotten that from a few websites. And I think the best is when I get it from educational websites, like colleges <laughs> and stuff. I think I even got that one time from like a student loan company. And I was like, whoa, 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 what the hell? Like, what, what's going on here? And all of those have PII in them. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Personally identifiable information. Like, oh, great. Uh. I mean, there's there's tons of other reasons to use incognito mode. Um, you can also, you know, sign into different accounts yeah. on it. So you can have, you know, your one Gmail account open here, and then you can have your, you know, account with your YouTube um, tied to Google open in a different browser and stuff like that. So you don't have to keep swapping back and forth. Yeah, and there's a lot of testing things. There's sometimes you want to, 
look at things without it making assumptions uh, uh, based on your uh, based on the cookies you have and you kind of your regular browser environment. Yeah. And so, you know, I just kind of figured this was this was a good topic to also yeah. just kind of branch into. I think we're going to eventually do an episode on tour. Yeah, we're going to probably do an episode on on tour. Um, we did the the internet one not too long ago and we did mm-hmm. DNS before that. My next big episode um, or possibly big couple of episodes um, on fundamentals is going to be SMTP. And then we're going to start talking about HTTP before we mm-hmm. start talking about Tor and VPNs. That might be yeah. the same episode, um, the, v- the VPN services that have, that have come up because mm. they're all doing, trying to do similar things, but we've talked about a little bit of what that, of the parts that are kind of cracks because yeah. Tor does its job pretty darn well in a lot of ways. There are some issues uh, of several papers on subverting, on methods for subverting the network um, and what it takes to subvert a, a network constructed like Tor. But hmm. in the end, it's still your browser. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. And if your browser is reporting you, then sorry. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if I want to do a full episode on this, but I figured I'd touch on it here too, is that you know in the past uh, two weeks, like one that Facebook has turned into meta, which yeah. I don't know if you watched that video on the metaverse and just the, the sheer level of like ready player or uh, was it ready player one? Yeah. Ready player one. Let's, I mean, it and, sounded straight out of snow crash. I didn't look at any too. of it, but it's like in snow it, crash, isn't it metaverse? Isn't this straight from Neil Stevenson's like first big book? Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was watching it. I was like, wait, is this, is this the plan to give all us pores VR headsets so we can pretend that we live in luxury while like, you know, the higher class lives in said luxury. Yeah. Well, I, I do think that he totally missed the boat on this. I I think that he, he misunderstands his business because the thing about Facebook and all social networking is that it allows you to casually engage and disengage. Mm. VR systems require you to dedicate time and focus to it. And I think that the kind of engagement that Facebook has right now, is not conducive to the vision of the metaverse. Yeah, you can't do absent-minded like toilet scrolling in the metaverse. Right. You know, like yeah, yeah, like you're saying like a dedicated rig to set up, dedicated time to sit down and, you know, waste some time there. You can't flip through it while you're in line or sitting down while while you're while you're munching through whatever you got while you were in line. Yeah, well, and like on top of that too, like I said, I, I don't know if I want to do an episode on this, but the Facebook papers, all that stuff that hit the fan just in the past two weeks. I don't know if you've kept yeah, up I saw, with that. Yeah, I saw some of that. I, I Well, I think that doing an episode of about Facebook in its entirety might not be the worst thing in the world from kind of our point of view. Mm-hmm. In fact, one thing that I was thinking when you were talking about war driving and clear tech stuff is back in about 2009, 10, something, maybe, maybe 11, right around that time, um, there was a Firefox extension called uh, Fire Sheep, which sniffed the local Wi-Fi network that you were on. Yep, I remember Fire Sheep. Yep. Yeah, and grabbed the uh, the the Facebook authentication token because even though chunks of Facebook were in HTTPS, the the whole cookie session tracking thing wasn't. Yep, I, I actually remember that was not like a project in school, but I think I just been poking around at different things you could do, and actually that was probably around the last time that I was using Facebook 
mm-hmm. and you know like playing around with that and grabbing my my session and like the the people that i was staying with like their sessions and stuff like that and for the audience i am personally an avowed never participate in facebook person for personal reasons but that's why we don't have a facebook page yeah people people ask me a lot like why don't you have any social media like there, there's a lot of reasons yeah well i mean I have lots of reasons and they've kind of come and gone, but they've never, I've never not had reasons to not be on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I mean, in fact, a friend of mine is producing some of his own creative content and he was talking about how his struggle with Facebook. And I'm like, you have to go where the audience is regardless of what your frustration is with it. And mm-hmm. since, well, we don't care about our audience or, or we don't care about like the normal grow your audience stuff. We, we care about you guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We're doing the outreach that kind of comes easily and naturally to us rather than putting a whole bunch of extra SEO effort into things. Yeah, I mean, we're never going to get invited to Dubai for a a, uh, Instagram party, which, you know, that that sucks, but it is what it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of people that are that that are doing this kind of content to kind of make their make their bones. And we're we're already pros in, in, in the area. It's like where's this going to really get us? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got lots of bones. So, <laughs> but that's it with, uh, with Google. And I mean, you know, there's, there's tons of other stuff that the company who's, is their motto still do no evil? Well, so the company's now alphabet and I don't know if their corporate motto changed, but I'm going to tell you. Oh, that's right. They changed. Yeah. yeah. They were the first ones to yeah. change it. Um, but we haven't titled the episode yet, but it will probably be having something along the lines of Google and being evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Went from do no evil to yeah, maybe do a lot of evil. Like do only do evil when it's profitable. Yeah, exactly. Although I'm not sure in this case it was profitable. Oh, I'm sure it was profitable in some way. We just won't know for years and years to come. Of course. Recording notes can be found at www.hackingthegibson.online. Follow Hack the Gibbs 1 on Twitter to get notified of new recordings. Support the continued observation of Hacking the Gibson on Patreon.